0: Welcome to the Identity Matters Worldview Institute. We hope you enjoy the message today. Ancient prophecies of the Bible are our Lord's worldview into the past, present, and future. This raises a perfect question. Why turn to the Bible for tomorrow's news? It is simple, but not always obvious to readers. In the pages of the Bible, there are approximately 1,000 prophecies of which over half have been fulfilled to the exact prediction. The remaining prophecies are being unfolded before our eyes. The history books of global events have proven that not one prophecy in the Bible has ever failed to come to pass. Darkness has a way of hiding the truth. However, the ancient prophecies of the Bible have a track record of never missing their mark. Only God through His Holy Word, can reveal tomorrow's news today. For this purpose, the Bible is the only reliable document that serves as a prophetic worldview to discern the events hidden in dark places of our future.
1: Caesar Augustus became the first emperor of Rome in 27 B.C., He took over a huge empire that stretched from the Middle East to England. Augustus quickly consolidated all government authority under him. He was undeniably the center of power until he died in 14 AD. During his 41 years of reign, Augustus established the Pax Romana, or the Roman Peace. There was peace throughout his empire and at most of his borders. Any traveler could go on the fine Roman highways almost anywhere in the empire without fear of bandits or war. Throughout my entire lifetime, and for a hundred years thereafter, the Pax Romana was firmly established. One of the main things the Roman government would not put up with was political unrest or rebellion. in any of his conquered authorities. If any disturbance arose, any politician or soldier in charge was soon relieved of his duties and replaced with one who did not allow such things to happen. Rome kept the peace by letting the uh, various populations of their conquered territories continue to worship their own local gods, follow local customs, and, and obey local politicians. Stay peaceful, pay your taxes, and you could do almost anything else you wanted. During my late adulthood, the population of the Roman Empire was about uh, 60 70 million people, with over 10 million of them being slaves. There were countless population groups who functioned independently as long as they stayed peaceful and paid taxes. That was the usual case. However, when the politicians needed to take more money from a group or needed political scapegoats, any local population group could easily be chosen for persecution. We're getting now to the salt parts of e the There were probably 60 to 70 million people in the Roman Empire during my late adulthood. Now, how many Christians existed when I wrote Revelation? Nobody knows for sure. But if you guessed 100,000 or less, you'd probably be much closer than if you guessed 1 million. We were building a solid base, but the explosive growth of Christianity had not yet happened. And the Christians that existed were scattered throughout the empire. Modern historians possess huge numbers of Roman records, yet there are no Roman records mentioning the Christians as even existing until after my lifetime. We were a tiny, tiny part of the empire's population and we typically stayed peaceful, except when our lifestyles caused us to come into conflict with local authorities. Okay, now salt. In your life, salt is so cheap that you get it for free at restaurants. It's not always that way. Salt was one of the first reasons people traded and traveled. Salt was incredibly precious because it could be used to preserve food, heal certain ailments, and as you know, make food taste better. Salt is so effective for taste that you can scatter a few tiny crystals on a bite of food and it tastes, hmm. Scatter a few more and it tastes, hmm. Scatter a few more and, ooh, it gets a little too salty and a few more and, whoa, it's too salty to even eat. A little bit of salt goes a long, long way. That is one reason that Jesus said for us to be the salt of the earth, and Paul advised us to season our conversation with grace as if it were salt. They knew a little bit went a long way. Even though there were not that many Christians existing in my lifetime, if they congregated in one place, they could be a little too salty for the taste of the local politicians. Christians stayed peaceful, but they stayed to themselves and had odd religious rights. They worshiped some foreign god instead of the local gods, and they made good targets if you wanted to take their stuff, or great scapegoats if you needed someone to blame. There were not that many Christians in total, the numbers were growing quickly, especially in some localities, so Christians were going to be persecuted more and more, and anybody with brains knew it, especially if you had brains and the Holy Spirit to tell you. According to one historian, after my lifetime, there were persecution of Christians by Nero after the big fire in Rome and 64 AD, but he was looking for anybody to blame. In my lifetime, Christians generally lived in peace with the Romans, except from torment by local leaders. That changed in 81 AD when Domitian became emperor. Domitian persecuted many Romans and many population groups. Among the groups he persecuted were the Christians, including me he caused my exile to the Greek island of Patmos and far from my home in Ephesus if you ever have the misfortune to get exiled I hope you get the same treatment I got I was sent to one of the most beautiful islands on earth I climbed up the side of the mountain and found a small cave to live in it protected me from the elements and allowed me to gather fresh water from the rain best of all I was away from people so I could pray and meditate while looking down at the gorgeous Aegean Sea. What better gig could an old man hope for? To be very clear with you, I am the John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and Revelation.
0: While Bible prophecy started before Adam and Eve took their first breath, the ancient prophecies began to show their colors after the Flood when Noah's grandson Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. Nimrod became the first Antichrist figure. There is strong evidence that the spirit of the Antichrist possessed him. In a short period, the area of the Tower of Babel became the location of the great city Babylon. Babylon is the second most frequently mentioned city in the Bible. It is mentioned 287 times in 253 verses. Jerusalem is the most mentioned. Out of the noted mentions, no positive reference is given to the city of Babylon. It is always seen as the archenemy of God. Babylon's roots are pagan, humanistic, and certainly rebellious against God, consistently being arrogant in unholy attributes that reflect the characteristics of Satan. As many theologians believe, Babylon became the first throne location of Satan himself. Because of the ancient prophecies being fulfilled regarding Babylon, it no longer exists as a superpower culturally and financially. However, its influence can be seen in every country today. Babylon became the source of of all gods and religions outside of the Hebrew God. That means that every belief in religion on the earth outside of Jesus Christ derives from Babylon, or should I say, Satan himself. In this, we know that Babylon is still alive and well, religiously. According to Genesis chapter 11, Babylon became the first superpower to attempt a world order devoid of the Hebrew God and his influence. God is gracious in his constant warnings contained in the ancient prophecies. Out of 66 books in the Bible, 40 have prophecies directly connected to the book of Revelation, or the end times. While most run to the book of Revelation for end times data, each is missing out on the richest predictions found in the Old Testament.